The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Mythology Explained YouTube channel. Please note that there are two narrators for this podcast, myself, Silas, and Zach. Please enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Mythology Explained. In today's video, we are going to dive into Egyptian mythology, going over its 10 most powerful gods. I'll make another video for the goddesses later on. The order in which the gods are discussed in this video isn't based on power but on precedent, beginning with the creators. Alright, let's get into it. Starting us off is Ptah. One of ancient Egypt's many creator deities, Ptah was said to have created the world with his heart and tongue. According to the beliefs of the ancient Egyptians, the heart was the center of thought and feeling. Because of this, Ptah first pictured and planned the creation of the world in his heart, visualizing the world as a craftsman visualizes his next project. With the idea conceived, it then passed to the tongue, which manifested the idea, bringing it to life. In addition to his role as the creator of the world, it was said that Ptah could fashion new bodies for the dead, furnishing them with new flesh. He was the patron of craftsmen, particularly sculptors and metalworkers, and the Greeks equated him with Hephaestus, their own divine smith. Most often, Ptah was depicted as a bearded man, and among his most salient features are a skull cap and blue skin. The skull cap that covered his head was that of an artisan, and his blue skin was celestial blue, which is why he was known by the epithet, he who is of beautiful face. The scepter he carried united the Jed, the Waz, and the Ankh. The Jed is a pillar-like symbol representing stability, the Waz is a staff that represents power and dominion, and the Ankh is a cross-shaped symbol with a loop that represents a life. Egyptian pharaohs were commonly crowned in Ptah's temple at Memphis, and it was thought that the three attributes embodied by his scepter were bestowed on them at their inaugurations. Sekhmet, the goddess who at one time nearly exterminated the human race, was Ptah's consort. Together they had a son, Nefertim, the god of the primeval lotus creator gods sometimes described as emerging from this lotus, signifying their engenderment and the commencement of their great work. 2. Amun Another creator god, Amun was part of the Ogdoad of Hermopolis, a group of eight primordial gods, and he was also viewed as a creator who functioned independently. The Ogdoad comprised four male-female pairs, each pair embodying one of the aspects of the watery chaos that existed before everything else. Amun and his female counterpart Amunet were the incarnations of invisible power. In the view of Hermopolis, the Ogdoad came together to create a thing or place of creation. The cosmic egg, the island of flame, the primeval lotus, or the primeval mound, depending on the version, from which the creator then emerged. Collectively, this made them the fathers and mothers of the Creator, giving them precedence while also not making them wholly incompatible with other versions of the creation myth. This could also work the other way, creator gods like Amun, Atum, Ptah, and Thoth calling forth the Ogdoad into existence. In time, Amun rose to become the preeminent god of Thebes, the ancient capital of Upper Egypt. He became viewed as an independent creator, and in this incarnation, he could take the form of a primordial goose, known as the Great Shrieker, whose cry was the very first sound to break the silence. 
Also in this goose form, there's a version in which he lays the egg from which the world hatches, and this egg, either the fertilizing or hatching of it, was also sometimes attributed to Kemetef, a moon's ram-headed snake form. A later development saw moon combine with Ra, the sun god. In this incarnation, becoming the amalgamated entity of moon Ra, he was the king of the gods, the creator of the world, and the sustainer of life. Making him distinct from other gods, Amun wasn't thought to live in some divine domain, remote and resplendent. Instead, he was ubiquitous, existing everywhere as an all-pervading presence, something that could always be felt but never seen, like the wind. His succor suffused all of creation, available to highborn and lowborn alike, lending his might to pharaohs and their armies, and extending his aid to those in sorry states those bereft of coin, counsel, and camaraderie. Amun was usually depicted as a bearded man in the prime of adulthood, a headdress topped with a double plume surmounting his head. As a member of the Ogdoad, his consort was Amunet, but this changed when he became viewed as an independent creator. Mut, sometimes said to be the great mother of creation, became his consort, and together they had a son, Khonsu, a lunar deity. 3. Thoth Usually depicted as a man with the head of an ibis, a type of wading bird, Thoth also has a lesser-known baboon form. It was said that Ra created these two incarnations, the ibis functioning as the intermediary between earth and heaven, conveying messages between the two planes, and the baboon luminously glowing in the night sky while the sun god journeyed through the underworld. The god of wisdom and secret knowledge, Thoth was credited with the invention of writing, and with the development of all the languages spoken by humanity. He was also associated with healing, especially as it pertained to the gods. According to one version, it was Thoth who healed Horus's eye after Set gouged it out and destroyed it. Concerning Thoth's emergence into the world, there is an array of disparate accounts. In one, he materialized from Set's forehead. In another, he came from the lips of Ra brought forth to help maintain the divine order as an upholder of Mott. And in yet another, he was self-engendered, here conceptualized as a creator deity, producing the cosmic egg from which Ra hatched. Thoth was a moon god. Just as Ra sailed across the sky during the day, so did Thoth sail across the sky at night, though Thoth could also be depicted aboard Ra's solar ship, serving as its navigator. Thoth was Ra's nighttime deputy, keeping an eye on the place. This ties into one of his epithets, which is excellent of understanding. Thoth kept a record of everything that happened, literally everything, and made reports to Ra. This responsibility, among others, made him a fitting partner for Sashat, the librarian goddess. Both past and future were known to them, and the fate of each person was inscribed on the bricks their mother used when giving birth to them. A critical inclusion to much of what transpired in the underworld, Thoth was involved in the weighing of the heart ceremony, and he presided over the nightly union of Ra and Osiris. During the weighing of the heart ceremony, something we'll elaborate on later in Osiris's entry, Thoth recorded the result of each weighing, when the hearts of the deceased were weighed against the feather of Mott. 4. A Tomb A tomb, often joined with Ra as a tomb Ra, is yet another creator deity. He was the creator and the destroyer, both raising the world from the waters of chaos and eventually returning the world to whence it came. 
Before and after each great cycle, a tomb was sometimes depicted as a snake swimming in the waters of chaos. It is thought by some Egyptologists that he and Apophis, the great snake who constantly tried to swallow the sun each night and thereby unravel the very fabric of reality, combine into a dichotomy of order and disorder, Mat, order, and the countervailing Isfet, disorder. His name derived from a word meaning totality or completeness, the potential for all life existed within a tomb. It was the ultimate progenitor, the mother and father of the gods, meaning the mother and father of all creation. Together, a tomb was the primordial aspect of the creator and Ra the solar aspect. As well, a tomb was identified with the setting sun. The daily solar cycle saw the sun take many forms. A child at dawn, a triumphant falcon at midday when the sun was at its zenith, and an old man in the evening. A tomb, depicted as an old man, ties into his role in ending the world. It was thought that he would grow weary and allow everything to return to chaos, letting go of life as an old man lets go of life and welcomes the embrace of death. A tomb was the first god of the Heliopolitan Aeneid, the group of nine gods most venerated in the city of Heliopolis. In this version, a tomb is self-engendered, bringing himself into existence in the waters of chaos. He then independently produced two children, a son and daughter, respectively, Shu, the personification of air, and Tefnut, the personification of moisture. These two came together and produced two more children, another son and daughter, Geb, the personification of the earth, and Newt, the personification of the sky. And they, in turn, produced the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth gods of the Enyed, two more brother-sister pairs, Osiris paired with Isis, and Set paired with Nephthys. 5. Ra As we've seen, Ra was often combined with other gods, especially creator gods. He was the great sustainer, the ultimate source of energy, light, and life. The first sunrise, which could be depicted as the rise of a fiery bird or of a radiant child, was paramount, more important than any other event in Egyptian mythology. He was the first king, and he ruled directly on earth for years uncounted in the bygone era in which gods and humans cohabitated. In time, Ra became an old man, and this triggered a number of developments. He became elderly and less formidable and consequently, humanity rebelled, a transgression that nearly saw it exterminated by Sekhmet. And in another myth, Ra depicted as a drooling dotard, Isis used her magic to ascertain his true name through devious means. It is explained that Isis was only successful in her endeavor because Ra was frail and his faculties were fading. Eventually, Ra ascended to the sky, beginning his daily arc across it and his nightly journey through the underworld. Following his departure, the kingship passed on to other gods. Horus was the last of them, the age of the pharaohs, beginning after his time. Each day, Ra's arc across the sky was viewed as a microcosm of the length of his life. Newly born in the morning, most powerful at midday, and elderly in the evening. Then passing on to the underworld as the souls of hoary people, the last hale and hearty vestiges gone from them, pass on. In the underworld, many things happened. Twelve regions had to be traversed, challenges needed negotiating and dangers overcoming. Many monsters had to be subdued, 
and chief among them was Apophis, the great serpent, who attacked each night and tried to swallow the sun, which, had he succeeded, would have spelled disaster for all of creation, marking the end of the current great cycle. Life, even the afterlife, exterminated as Ra was extinguished. Fortunately, Ra did prevail each night, assisted in his nightly mission by the many gods who accompanied and protected him. Each morning, Ra was reborn from the womb of Newt, the goddess who personified the sky. Older traditions give a more brutal and detailed rendering of this. Ra being devoured by the sky at night, replaced by the stars, then Ra devouring the stars in the morning, staining the sky with their blood, this accounting for the red hues of the dawn. 6. Shu Shu, the personification of air, and Tefnut, the personification of moisture, were, respectively, the second and third gods of the Enyed. In this variation of the creation myth, they were the first children procreated. Atum, the first god, was self-engendered. He impregnated himself and independently brought the next generation of gods into existence. After a period of gestation, Shu was sneezed out and Tefnut was spat out. In this way, how the first divine pair entered the world is representative of what they personified, sneezing more so associated with air and spitting more so associated with moisture. Initially, it was as if Atum had brought forth two more aspects of himself, he and his two children at first united as a sort of trinity as opposed to three individual gods that were discrete from one another. Eventually, the three of them were separated, and as to how this came to pass, there are different versions. In one, Shu and Tefnut simply became lost in the darkness of the infinite chaos, either accidentally wandering off or intentionally going forth to explore. Regardless, Atum was worried and lonely, so he took the eye from his forehead and sent it out to scour the watery abyss. All of them were reunited in the end, though they never recombined. Tefnut was the sister wife of Shu, and their coupling was the very first male-female union. From them came their son Geb, the personification of the earth, and their daughter Nut, the personification of the sky. As was the case in Greek mythology, in the primordial past, earth Gaia and sky Uranus conjoined, the material world not yet properly ordered, so too were Geb and Nut conjoined, and their separation, which was executed by their father, is one of the most commonly depicted events from Egyptian mythology. He became a giant of cosmic proportions, trampling his son underfoot and pressing his daughter up overhead. With earth and sky sundered and situated, an atmospheric expanse of air and light now between them, creation could commence, which is why Shu was sometimes viewed as a creator deity. Following his birth and the instrumental role he played in ordering the cosmos, Shu became one of the kings who ruled all of creation, divine and mortal alike. Many gods, most of them on this list, in fact, are said in one myth or another to have been the first king. More coherently, though, there arose a later line that parallels the generations of the Enyed, beginning with Ra, Shu succeeding him, then Geb, Osiris, Set, and finally Horus. 7. Geb Geb's iconography almost always has him depicted in human form, his green skin symbolizing all the plants that grew along his surface. The fields of grain that stretched across the land were said to sprout from his ribs, and in general, the vegetation that carpeted the earth was said to grow on his back. 
Because of this, he was deeply connected to fertility, that of the earth, of course, but also of livestock. He was thought to be the ultimate source of all fresh water, and so maintained a close friendship with Happy, the god of Nile inundation, cyclical flooding keeping the banks of the Nile extraordinarily fertile. As the personification of the earth, Geb was a thonic deity. It was thought that he swallowed up the dead and that he was the master of all the snakes of the earth. By turn, he could be life-giving or life-taking, for he could sustain life through the bounty of the earth or could bring death through various disastrous phenomena, such as earthquakes. He often presided over divine disputes, as was the case when Horus and Set vied against each other for the throne. He was also a judge of the dead in the afterlife. Those he judged guilty of being the enemies of Ra were bound to the stakes of Geb and destroyed. Also as the father of Osiris, the lord of the underworld, Geb could be called upon for succor by the spirits of the dead. In one later tradition, Geb is said to have supplanted his father, taking the throne for himself and forcing Tefnut, his own mother, to be his queen. Usually though, Geb peacefully comes to the throne, either as the first king or inheriting it from his father. 8. Osiris Geb and Nut were the second divine pair, and born to them were four children, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nephthys, two more divine brother-sister pairs, Isis the sister-wife of Osiris, and Nephthys the sister-wife of Set. Osiris, the eldest of the four, ruled Egypt with Isis, the two of them presiding over a prolonged period of peace and prosperity. This came to an end when Set murdered and usurped his older brother. Inadvertently, though, this made Osiris much more powerful than he otherwise would have been, now the lord of the underworld instead of the king of the living world. Isis succeeded in resurrecting Osiris for a brief time, long enough to impregnate her before returning to his thonic domain. Later born to them was Horus, the rightful king, who would eventually reclaim his father's crown, challenging and defeating Set. Typically portrayed as a mummified pharaoh, he wears the Atef crown, a tall, white, conical headdress adorned with ostrich feathers on either side. His face is commonly shown with green or black skin, reflecting his association with regeneration and rebirth. In his hands, Osiris usually holds the crook and flail, symbols of kingship and authority. Seated on his throne in the Hall of Two Truths, Osiris presided over the judgment of the heart ceremony. The hearts of the deceased were weighed against the feather of Maat. Truth, balance, harmony, justice, basically all the positive aspects of universal balance. If the heart outweighed the feather, then the person didn't live out their days in keeping with the principles of Maat. These souls suffered the second death, devoured by the monster meat and thus condemned to oblivion. If the heart was of equal weight with the feather, then the opposite was true. These souls could either ascend to the stars, enter the field of reeds, known as Aru, a paradise similar to the mortal world, or enter into the service of the gods. In Egyptian mythology, Ra embarks on a nightly voyage through the Duat, the Egyptian underworld, this accounting for the disappearance of the sun and the darkness of the night. As he travels in his solar bark, Ra encounters various deities, demons, and spirits. One of the most important moments in this nightly gauntlet of challenges and dangers is the union of Ra and Osiris. This union represents the fusion of life, embodied by Ra, and death, embodied by Osiris. 
renewing Ra each night so that he could be reborn each morning. There was also a view in which Ra was the spirit and Osiris the body. The spirit renewing the body so that it could continue to live after death, and the body renewing the spirit so that it could rise again. This indispensable interplay underscores the Egyptian belief in the interconnectedness of life, death, and rebirth, paralleling the great cycles of creation, each creation followed by destruction and a return to the waters of chaos, and vice versa. 9. Set Set was the Egyptian god of foreign lands, the desert, disasters, strength, storms, protective power, cunning, violence, war, confusion, and chaos. His appearance is based on an animal, usually referred to as the set animal, that doesn't correspond to any known creature that actually exists. It is a composite creature with a curved snout, squared off ears, and a forked tail. Some suggest it might be an amalgamation, possibly including elements of aardvarks, donkeys, jackals, or fennec foxes. Having already covered his family structure and his murder of Osiris, we are going to skip ahead to the interminable decades-long conflict between Set and Horus, both of them vying for the throne throughout. In the end, Set is defeated and Horus, bolstered by the unwavering support of his mother Isis, whose mastery of magic was unparalleled in Egyptian mythology, is victorious, finally coming into his birthright, becoming king just as his father was before. Set was brought forth bound in chains, but rather than exile or execution, Ra interceded and pleaded his case, explaining to the court that despite his past transgressions, he could still be of service. Thus, Set became a permanent fixture aboard the solar bark. He became a perennial protector, journeying with Ra each night through the underworld, where his strength was used to beat back the enemies of the sun god, ensuring the daily cycle continued uninterrupted and, with it, life itself. Where once he was an agent of chaos, he was now a champion of order. This whole ordeal exemplifies two things, Set's habit of inadvertently producing good outcomes from bad inputs, and more fundamentally, the delicate relationship between order and chaos. Set began as a god who murdered his brother and usurped the throne, but he ended as someone instrumental to Osiris's rise as lord of the underworld, and someone who metamorphosed from a villain to one of the chief defenders of Ra and, by extension, order, something originally antithetical to Set. Extrapolating from this, we can see the delicate and complex dynamic between Mot, order, and Isfet, disorder. It can't be boiled down to a dichotomy of good and evil, for both of them are essential for true balance. What's best exists between the principles encompassed by each half, optimal order situated between order and disorder, optimal harmony situated between harmony and disharmony, and so forth. Creation then, as conceptualized here, is like a house of cards. Those of Mat leaning in from one side and those of Isfet leaning in from the other, the principles of each culminating into a precarious edifice that is the preservation of the universe and the continuation of life. 10. Horus The son of Osiris and Isis, Horus is most commonly depicted as a falcon-headed man. He was the heavenly falcon and the divine manifestation of kingship. He was the last god to be king, the time of the pharaohs beginning after his rule. There are three incarnations of Horus, Horus the Elder, Horus the Younger, and Horus the Child. 
Horus the Elder is a primordial god. Horus the Younger is the god who defeated Set and became king. And Horus the Child is the child version of Horus the Younger, depicted as a child who remained hidden with his mother Isis to avoid the wrath of Set. Horus the Elder, also called Horus the Great, was a creator god. The sun and moon were his eyes, and the breadth of his wings spanned the celestial vault. Rather than Isis and Osiris, the primordial version of Horus is the son of the sky goddess, either Newt or Hathor. One of the oldest images from ancient Egypt is that of a falcon aboard a bark. Here, it is thought that Horus was imagined as a star or planet navigating the expansive waters of the sky. One myth says that the opening of his eyes, meaning the emergence of the sun and moon, commenced creation. As was the case with virtually every other creator god in Egyptian mythology, Horus was syncretically fused with Ra, the two of them becoming Ra Harakti, he who vanquished his foes to triumphantly rise in the east. Horus the Younger challenged and defeated Set after the two vied for the throne for 80 years and was crowned king. Horus the Child is renowned as the preeminent figure among Egypt's child deities. Traditionally, young boys in ancient Egyptian art were shown with shaven heads, save for a single plated sidelock, a portrayal that Horus the Child adopted. His birth narrative tells of an extended pregnancy for Isis, followed by a painful labor. To shield her newborn from Set's malevolent intentions, Isis raised Horus in secluded secrecy. The child deities in Egyptian mythology were also associated with cosmic rejuvenation. A well-known image in many Egyptian creation stories depicts a radiant child emerging as a lotus blossom unfolds. This mirrors Horus's own origin tale. The radiant child had to be protected from the dangers of chaos, and Horus had to be protected from Set, and both brought forth order from chaos, the radiant child beginning creation, and Horus returning the kingship back to its proper course. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please like and subscribe. Thanks for watching.